0: Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the IRIS Lead Essentials Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Caio. And today we will be replying to some questions we've been receiving from the community about SwiftUI and Combine.
1: And we will discuss how and if SwiftUI and Combine should change the way we architect, develop, test and build apps. So first question. What do you think about Swift UI. Have you been using it in production? Well, I think Swift UI is a great framework. Yeah. And I'm really excited about it. And it will be the future of UI development in Apple platforms. But what about right now? It will be the future, but is it the UI framework for developing apps right now? Yes, it's production ready, but I'm not using it in production yet because there are still some limitations that prevent me from using it in my day-to-day work. For example, I still support, usually, iOS 11 and 12. So I cannot use it in my main iOS apps.
0: Exactly. So this answer is basically, it depends. If, for example, want to support older versions, or if you already have built your UI modules with UIKit, and I don't know, maybe it's worth waiting a little bit more to get better integration or more tools so you can perform what you're already performing in UIKit with SwiftUI.
1: Exactly. At the moment, you cannot do everything you do with UIKit with SwiftUI. Unless you put a bunch of hacks around it. <laughs> so, yeah, if you have a code base already using UIKit, I wouldn't rewrite the whole code base to use SwiftUI. But I'm super excited about the next WWDC, because looks like they're going to bring great updates to SwiftUI and Combine as well. So much of those limitations may go away in what a month two months' time. Yeah, even less. So if you don't need to support old iOS versions, maybe you can start using it right now. I'm not using it because I still support some old iOS versions and there are some features that I'm still missing in SwiftUI, but looks like very soon we are gonna get great updates that's gonna solve all those limitations. And as soon as I can, I I'll be using it in production, but I'm not using it yet, only on pet project. Next question I've been watching your videos on iOS architecture using UIKit, and I wonder how SwiftUI would change the way you designed the overall architecture of your apps what would be different well the overall architecture of the code base shouldn't change because of a new framework remember swift ui is a ui framework and the way i recommend and the way i develop apps i separate my apps into layers and i decouple right i separate those layers and i decouple high level layers from low level layers so a ui layer is a low-level layer, it's a delivery mechanism. So it lives in its own modules. And I don't want my business logic, for example, depending on low-level modules, like the user interface. So I wouldn't change the way I design the overall architecture of my app. The only thing that would change is that I would re-implement my UI layer with SwiftUI, replace it, and nothing else would change. It will be seamless to do. Because my components don't depend on UIKit. Only the UI layer depends on UIKit. Which means I can replace UIKit with SwiftUI or whatever I want.
0: Exactly. And this is the power of modular systems and modularity and the power of good economics and software development. The change that you're proposing, switching your existing UI that is written in UIKit and replacing it with SwiftUI, it's going to be extremely... Cost-effective. The cost is going to be very low. And why is that? Why it would be that easy instead of, let's say, rewriting a whole application? It's because you have good separation of concerns and your UI is isolated as it should. Why? Because you're using frameworks there. UIKit. Now Swift UI. Maybe in five years' time we'll have something new. Who knows? But this is what needs to be understood. This separation there for the frameworks. And it's not just the UI, by the way. I mean, it's about the networking, it's about the databases, it's about all frameworks that they need to live in the outer layer of your system, and the infrastructure layer. And as you said, the business logic is in the core. It should not talk directly to the frameworks. Otherwise, you create tight coupling and that increases the cost of change.
1: Exactly. So the frameworks should be plugins into our application. We should be able to change them easily. And I know that many applications don't follow this modular design, don't follow these guidelines. And if you're working on a code base that depends directly on UIKit in multiple layers, then it's not going to be that easy to replace it. You're most likely going to have to rewrite a bunch of components. And that's going to take time and it's going to be hard it might be the case that the business is going to say, no, we're not going to do it. You're going to have to maintain this UI kit implementation, and that's it. So that's the cost of not decoupling your application and not creating separate modules. And three years ago, when we gave this advice of separating the UI from other layers, a lot of people said it was overkill, until CCUI showed up. Now there's the proof that frameworks are volatile. They change all the time. They're constantly changing. And if you want to adopt updates, you want to be always ready to adapt, to change, you need to be flexible. You need a flexible design. What is a flexible design? A modular, clean design. A simple modular design. So that's it. How would SwiftUI change the way you design the overall architecture of your apps? It wouldn't change how I design apps. I would just replace my current UI kit implementation with SwiftUI. Nothing else will change. And we wrote an article about how to prepare your apps to easily adapt to SwiftUI or any new frameworks. We will add a link to it in the description of this podcast. Absolutely. Next question: In a YouTube comment, you said it should be easy to replace a UIKit layer with SwiftUI, but I don't think it can be that easy, especially when using Combine. For example your models need to change to conform to the observable object protocol. So, will SwiftUI plus Combine change the way you architect tests and build your apps? Well, if your UI layer is coupled with the model layer and vice versa, then yes, you will have to make changes to your model to adapt to SwiftUI. But this is a sign. This is a sign there is some coupling in your code base that maybe shouldn't be there. Because if you're changing your model to adapt to a new framework, it means your model is coupled with the framework. Okay. And that's not a good sign when you want to adapt fast to change. So that's one reason why we recommend you not to couple your model with the UI and vice versa. If possible, decouple the UI from the model as well. Because frameworks, again, are volatile. They keep changing all the time. There are new frameworks, so there are updates with breaking changes. Like SwiftUI already changed from the first version until the current version a lot. Yeah. You don't want to be breaking all the time your multiple modules. So how do you do it? You separate the modules. Otherwise, your code base will be brittle. It will be hard to change. It will be hard even to test. So how can you adopt SwiftUI without changing your module layer? Well, you can create a tiny SwiftUI view model in between them. And this view model will conform to the observable object protocol. And it will communicate with the model and translate the communication back to the UI. And you can use automatic bindings for that. So it's super simple to do. And it will keep your model decoupled from SwiftUI and combined. So you don't need to change the architecture of your application, just the user interface. So again, the overall architecture of the code base don't need to change if you have a modular design. Only the UI needs to change. So this
0: will work as a little adapter between the view and the model. So we have the view as a separate layer and the model, that they are decoupled, and then we have a very thin layer connecting them. Right? And there you can use whatever technology you're using for your UI. You can wrap it. So now your module layer is completely decoupled from the UI and the technology you use in the UI.
1: And the views are also decoupled from the model. Exactly. Vice versa. That's it. So if you separate your modules well, you should be able to replace UIKit with CBT ui seamlessly. Very, very easily. Very quickly. But what about Combine? Well, Combine is also a framework, like SwiftUI. And we recommend you to keep it away from your core logic, from your core domain logic, like business logic, for example. Because that's a framework, and a framework is an implementation detail. I recommend you to implement your business logic with pure language features, no frameworks, as much as you can. So then you can switch frameworks easily as well. When there's a new update or there's a better framework, you can adapt easily. So, for example, if you have an RxSwift code base and you decoupled your core domain or business logic from RxSwift, it's going to be very easy to replace RxSwift with Combine. Right. Otherwise, you have more work. That's the cost of coupling. You have more work when it should change. So, instead of using Combine everywhere in your application. You could use it just in specific places. Specific places that actually need it, like your SwiftUI implementations, or you could use it only to compose the application in the composition root. But it's up to you to decide. Next question. How will SwiftUI plus Combine change the way you write tests or do TDD, test-driven development? What do you think, Mike?
0: I mean, I don't think it's going to alter the way you do TDD because TDD, test-driven development, is a process. It doesn't know about frameworks or about technologies. It's a very simple process that has three steps, red, green, refactor, and you just follow these three steps. right? So in these terms, I don't think... uh, TDD is not going to change. It's not, I don't think it's not going to change. Now, testing-wise, well, perhaps there are going to be some changes there. Like, not everything is at the moment testable with SwiftUI. So, in terms of accessing the view hierarchy as we could do with UIKit, that's that's a bit hard or even impossible to do. So. We're going to have to either find, perhaps Apple is going to give us new ways of doing that in the future. So that's one direction we can go. And the other one is use different testing strategies. So instead of unit testing, we can climb up the testing strategy pyramid to UI testing, perhaps, or snapshot testing. right? So we're dealing with the views as a black box here in these testing strategies instead of just asserting behaviors of separate components, as we would do with integration or unit testing. So these are the main differences between the two UI frameworks and how we're gonna be working with them.
1: So at the moment it's hard to write simple unit tests against SwiftUI. There's not a lot of facilities for it. So we need to use other strategies, as you said, snapshot testing or UI testing. And we also get like the previews, so you can check the appearance of your views very quickly. Yeah. But that's not enough. You still need to write some tests around your views. And this also gives you good incentives to move a lot of logic away from the views. Exactly. If you don't test the views, you move all this logic to other components, like view models. And there are ways. There's no excuse. It's not Very convenient at the moment. Uh, I hope Apple is going to improve this. And... Yeah. If you cannot unit test... You move this logic to other components that you can unit test. And you can also rely on snapshot tests and UI tests when needed. But only when needed. I recommend you to avoid testing things with UI tests. They are slow and fragile as well. Depending on too many components working at the same time, like the simulator devices, so it's fragile. Exactly. But the process is the same. You can still write those tests first. You can write UI tests first. You can write snapshot tests first. Just like you write unit tests first, you can write other kind of tests first as well.
0: Exactly. So this is no excuse for not writing the tests first or not writing tests at all. Right? Saying, well, Now my iOS app is built with SwiftUI, so I don't have to write tests or I can't write tests. No, that is not true.
1: You can still test drive your UI with those strategies. Exactly. Even with previews or snapshots or UI tests. Yes. But don't give up too soon. Still write unit tests when you can. Next question. I worked as a SAP developer for six years but I want to switch to mobile and iOS. As someone who's starting out now, should I focus only on SwiftUI or also learn how to use storyboards and UIKit?
0: Yeah.
1: Well, only is a strong word. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's going to be hard to focus only on SwiftUI because most applications are still built on UIKit. So it depends on the projects you work on. So if you're joining the workforce as an iOS developer now, you're probably going to work on existing projects. Yeah. And if you're working on existing projects, you're going to have to focus on UIKit because existing projects are more likely to be written with UIKit. So you need to learn it. UIKit, right now, May 2020, is, is still the main UI framework for building iOS apps because of backward support, because of all the limitations still with SwiftUI, and because of legacy reasons, because of all those apps that have been built for a long time. Millions of apps. Exactly. But this may change soon. I'm really hopeful about WWDC 2020, that we're going to get some good updates on SwiftUI, and it's going to make it more appealing to use. So we might see a shift happening soon, where companies will start adopting SwiftUI more and more. But right now, you need to learn UIKit still. So don't go only SwiftUI, but don't go only UIKit. So, start getting familiar with SwiftUI as well.
0: Exactly. And there are infinite resources, basically, out there uh, to do so. so. your work probably is gonna be around UIKit, and in your free time, uh, you can work on SwiftUI. So you, you get a good understanding of both. Not just that, you you get you get an appreciation of SwiftUI. You know, like all the things you don't have to do <laughs> anymore <laughs> that you had to do with UIKit. I think that's that's also, um, you know, something you should experience as an iOS developer. You know, like hundreds of lines of code. They literally vanish. You don't have to write them They Vanished. Yeah. Exactly. So that's fantastic. But yeah, I agree. As you said, there are millions of legacy, uh, in terms of Swift UI code bases out there. And these code bases are not going anywhere. UIKit is going to be around for a long time for <laughs> sure.
1: Like Objective C. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Like Objective C. Let's say it is June 2014 for our friend who asked the question, right? And you say, well, I'm going to become a mobile developer. And the next day, Apple announces Swift. What are you going to do? Are you going to say, okay, I'm going to learn Swift and I'm going to write apps in Swift. No one knows about this new technology, right? Everything is written really in Objective-C or let's say close to everything, right? So yeah, I mean, it's it's still the very early days. Now, if it was 2018, right? And you say, I, I want to become... an an iOS developer, then yeah, then you have a choice. It's been four years since Swift was announced. The whole platform has matured, the community is increasing, the resources out there are more and more and more. So perhaps it makes sense to skip the Objective C part. But I think we're we're still very very early on Swift UI's journey. So learn UI kit
1: that's it. But that might change soon. So be ready. So you don't need to get ready. If you're starting pet projects, if you're starting new projects that don't need to support iOS 12, for example, go with SwiftUI. And as a beginner, you probably don't know which projects you're going to work on. You may have no control over that. You might join a team and they're using UIKit. Or you may join a team and they're using SwiftUI. That's the problem you're facing right now. (laughs) Beginners joining now... That's a tough choice. Yeah. Should I invest my time in Swift UI or UIKit? I think, in my opinion, in May 2020, it's a safer bet to go with UIKit if you're joining the workforce and you're going to join existing projects yeah. because of the disparity of how many projects there are in UIKit and how many in Swift UI. And this may change in the coming years, but right now, in my opinion, as a professional joining the workforce, you're more likely going to work with Kit right now. You might even work with Objective-C.
0: <laughs> Nothing to be afraid of.
1: All right, next question. Swift UI is really great. I love the instant feedback with previews, where I can pass different data or environment conditions. However, one thing that is not very clear at this moment is how to implement the decoupled navigation between screens. What is the equivalent of push view controller in a way that the screen should not have knowledge about other screens? So the question is, how can I control the navigation outside of the views in SwiftUI? First of all, let's define why would you want a view not to have knowledge about other views. What is the problem? Well, the main problem is that by handling navigation inside the view, going from view A to view B, you are coupling view A with view B. And maybe view B needs dependencies to create view C. And then A most probably needs to know about the dependencies for B and C, and then D, and then E, and then F. It creates this coupling between views that don't need to exist. When you don't need this coupling, it's better to avoid it because it creates problems. It makes code harder to develop, harder to maintain, harder to extend, harder to test, harder to reuse, harder to replace. Exactly. You know, so avoid coupling when possible. And navigating from A to B is coupling. It's coupling A with B. Yeah,
0: dependencies. Your components will depend on components that they shouldn't. And I think you're making a great argument when, for example, one component is going to carry secondary dependencies, tertiary dependencies, in order to instantiate another component. That, that doesn't lead to to good times. No, that increases the coupling within your system. And as you said, like it's going to make it so much harder to test,
1: basically impossible to reuse. Yeah, you can always bypass that with environment dependencies, but sometimes it looks just like a hack yeah. to bypass this problem. And you may even end up with the environment anti pattern that we discussed in the podcast about dependency injection. So if you can avoid this coupling, I recommend that you do. Yeah. Right? So that's a great question. And how can you decouple the view from the navigation? So you can reuse this view in different contexts. So you don't couple the navigation with a specific view. You don't need to couple A with B. Yeah. You can make the decision to navigate straight from A to C, and you don't want to add this logic inside the view. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a bunch of if statements inside the view. It's going to make the view harder to maintain, harder to understand, harder to test. So, at the moment, I haven't found a convenient way to decouple the SwiftUI view from navigation. But, it's possible. Here's a couple of ways. One, you can inject a closure for handling navigation. So, a closure that will create the next view. That's one way. It's probably the simplest way. But then you need to pass this closure throughout the hierarchy. Maybe inject it as an environment dependency. It's not great, but it works. Two, you can wrap that view into a custom navigation view that will hide that navigation logic from the reusable view that you want to decouple from the navigation. Or three, you can embed your view in a UIKit, UI hosting controller, and fall back to the old, good old UI navigation controller for the navigation. It also works, and you're going to be dealing with both worlds, UIKit and SwiftUI, like you're going to be doing either way you're still going to be using UIKit a lot with SwiftUI. So maybe that's a trade-off you can accept in your application. They are not very convenient ways... of decoupling the view from navigation. I'm not very happy with either of those options, but... it's possible, it's testable, you can use it for now. And I hope that Apple will introduce... some more convenient ways of dealing with navigation in SwiftUI. And hopefully... Right now, WWDC 2020, we're gonna get those updates. Exactly. Exactly. Let's hope for the best. But prepare for the worst. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Because the thing is, historically, Apple have made it very convenient to navigate from views. Even UIKit. You know, you can navigate from view A to B by calling push view controller. Since you have access to navigation controller in your view controllers, yes. you can use storyboards with segues. So There's always been this coupling between view and navigation in iOS apps. You don't have to couple your views like that, but it's very convenient to do it. However, it makes, again, code harder to maintain, test, and reuse, and replace. So it's a trade-off. The simplicity of just navigating straight from view A to B, or the flexibility of controlling this from a different component like a coordinator, a router, or what have you. Right. Yeah, historically, that's how Apple designed the frameworks to make it easy to navigate from A to B. So keeping this navigation in the view with Swift UI doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Because they're trying to make it easy to navigate from A to B. Now, if you want to have this extra flexibility, it's up to you to find a way. It's always been like this with Apple. And there's always been a way. So, yes, you can find a way to separate the navigation flow, but hopefully Apple will make it more convenient going forward. Next question. I separated my iOS app into layers, but I don't know where to place the navigation logic. Should the navigation logic be part of the business logic modules? Or the UI modules the talk to frameworks like SwiftUI, UIKit, AppKit, or should I have other modules for navigation? Well, I don't recommend navigation logic in the business logic module because navigation is very coupled with the framework. For example, if you want to navigate between views in an iOS application, you're probably going to use a navigation controller. Yeah. Or you're going to present it modally. Those decisions are very coupled with the platform. Now, if you're navigating, In a macOS app, there's a different mechanism for navigating. In a macOS app or in a web app. So it's very coupled with the technology. And ideally, your business logic should not be coupled with the delivery mechanism, with the technology, with low-level details. So navigation is coupled with the platform, with the technology. So you can keep your navigation logic in the application module, like in the main module, That's usually a good way to do it, because then you can reuse your views across applications, but the navigation is specific for a specific application. But if it makes sense for you to reuse the navigation as well, you can move it to the UI layer, since navigation is coupled with the UI framework, like UI Navigation Controller for UIKit. So you either keep it in the application module, if your navigation is application-specific, or you can move it To the UI module, so you can reuse it across applications, or you can even create a navigation module if you want to decouple your UI from a specific navigation as well. But that's very unusual to have a separate navigation module. Usually, it stays close to the UI or in the application module.
0: Yeah, I, I I totally agree, and I like what you're saying about the business logic, and I think that's like. This is a way developers can answer these questions on their own. For example, should my navigation be in my business logic? Well, let's see. The business logic should be completely independent of the delivery mechanism, right? That means that if I had some code that I could use for iOS and macOS, could I include my navigation in there? Well, no, because navigation is different on iOS and macOS. It is happening differently, right? So there you have it. You can exclude your navigation from your business logic. And then, well, you need to think about other places in your system, where to put it. But this is this is big. This is a very uh, good first step to start decoupling
1: your app. That's it. And even if you're using SwiftUI in both iOS and macOS, you may still want a different navigation. Maybe it makes more sense for the user experience to see a model on your phone because you have a smaller screen, but maybe you have a pop-up in a bigger screen. That's why even when you're using the same framework, the navigation may be different for different applications or different platforms. And when you need this separation, you decouple the navigation from the views, you can reuse the views, but Compose them with different navigation. And that's the power of modular design. If you can create this modular architecture that can be plugged, the views can be plugged with different navigation, the model can be plugged with different user interface frameworks, and etc. That's it. Next question: Where is combined in the picture of clean architecture? I know the frameworks are details and they have to be separate from business logic, but how can I take advantage of the brand new data publisher in URL session, for example, if I'm not passing the publisher around throughout the application? Okay, let me see if I understand this. How can you benefit from using the URL session publisher that comes with Combine if I'm not passing this publisher around My application, right? So if I'm not using this publisher everywhere, that I can then start transforming the operations throughout the application. Well, first of all, your business logic should probably not know about URL session. That's the first thing. Because URL session is a low-level framework. It's an implementation detail. Yes. So if you hide that implementation detail from your business logic, first of all, you can still get the benefits of the publisher, and you're not going to be coupling your model layer or your business logic layer with URL session or combine. So that's how you can separate them and still get all the benefits on new updates, on new frameworks without breaking your business logic. So that's the problem. The problem is that your business logic depends on URL session. If it doesn't you don't have this problem.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. But how does combine fit in a clean architecture? Just like any framework keep frameworks in the infrastructure layer away from high-level modules, away from the core of your application. Yeah. So you can replace those frameworks easily.
0: Yeah, exactly. So one example here, since the question talks about URL session, would be, for instance, let's say you are requesting something over the network and you get a response, right? And then you need to transform this response, this asynchronous response. And then you need to transform it again, I don't know, like perhaps into JSON or into a native model, and then deliver it to the rest of the system, right? So you can use combine for these transformations, but then make sure you wrap this response into something that does not reference combine, which might be a simple closure, or I don't know, something like conforming to a protocol, some sort of an abstraction that the rest of the system will deal with without knowing about combine or RxSwift in this case or Reactive Cocoa or whatever. So you hide these implementation details in the place where you want to perform these operations uh, which are fantastic by the way and it can save you time if you know how to use them. But as the question said, there are layers in the system, right? So between those layers, on the contracts, right? On the boundaries, you do not want to reference, combine, or any other third-party library. So that's how you can maintain modularity and loose coupling between the modules in your system.
1: That's it. So let's say you are using the URL session publisher to fetch some data from the web. Then you need a function that transforms the data into some native models in your application. This function doesn't need to know about combine. The input is data, the output are the models. You don't need to depend on combine there. When you're composing these operations, you can just use map on the publisher that produces data by passing the function that transforms the data into models. So you have functions, that could be pure functions, input, output, completely decoupled from Combine, and then you compose them with Map. And that's how you can still use Combine, can compose those operations in the composition root, and not couple your application with a framework, like RxSwift or Combine. That's it. And that worked really well for us when using RxSwift. And it works very well when using Combine as well. Decouple the high level, modules from those frameworks. So you can replace them easily. You can test your business logic without combine. Why would you need combine when you're testing your core logic? That's an implementation detail. That's an infrastructure framework. It's volatile. It changes. It has bugs. It's (laughs) better to keep it away from your high-level modules. And that's how you reduce the impact of those frameworks into the overall architecture of your apps. Next question. I would be interested to know how SwiftUI influences the selection of a UI pattern, meaning MVVM, MVC, MVP, etc. In my opinion, Apple released SwiftUI with MVVM in mind. Therefore, MVVM will be the new MVC. What do you think? Well, yeah, MVVM works pretty well with SwiftUI because of the built-in bindings. We didn't have built-in bindings with UIKit, Mm -hmm. so if you're using MVVM with UIKit, you would have to use a binding framework. But SwiftUI gives you out-of-the-box bindings, which makes it very convenient to use MVVM. But it also works fine with other patterns too. I don't think Apple is being very opinionated telling you to use MVVM. (laughs) Yeah. They always leave this decision for you. And that's what I like about Apple. They give you some very easy solutions out of the box. Mm -hmm. If you need some extra flexibility, some extra control over that, you still can follow your own pattern. They don't force you to use anything. It's convenient to use MVVM when you're using bindings. But you don't need to use MVVM. In fact, we might even see new patterns around SwiftUI. Why not? There's probably some already. If you Google around, you're going to see some very weird patterns emerging. And some good patterns are going to emerge out of that weirdness as well.
0: Right.
1: So, yes. You can follow MVVM in the UI layer with SwiftUI, but you're not limited to it. You can still use MVP MVC, or whatever. But isn't MVC bad? No. MVC is a fine design pattern. It survived the test of time. It's
0: probably older than both of
1: us. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is. But any pattern that is misused can be bad. If you misuse MVVM, you're not going to get good results.
0: You should repeat that. If you misuse a pattern, you're going to get bad results. and I can easily see how we're going to be reading blog posts about massive view view model in the future because, you know, of course, MVC was not the problem, was never the problem. Because as you said, MVC is just a design pattern, as is MVVM, MVP and all the rest. It's about how we use them and how we decide to separate our app uh, into layers and where to put logic, where... Uh, to put the UI, the navigation, you know, like the presentation, code, all all that stuff. So, yeah, it's not going to be a silver bullet MVVM in this case. Not because of SwiftUI, not because of SwiftUI with Combine, none of these things, you know. So, I think we we need to go back to basics and just uh, learn how to use all these new wonderful tools you know, so we can create better apps. But the basics, the
1: fundamentals, need to be there first. Basics, fundamentals, simple design, good separation of concerns, like solid principles, testability, and etc. The foundation for good software. So yes, I believe we're gonna see much more MVVM with SwiftUI than MVC because of the bindings, because of the conveniences in SwiftUI. But that doesn't limit you. If you see it's going to be beneficial to use MVP in an application, yeah, why not? You can still do it. So focus on the fundamentals. Fundamentals, the foundation, is the key to achieving good results. Because if you misapply the patterns, you're going to get probably bad results. But if you follow the fundamentals, if you apply the patterns well, you're probably going to get good results. So that's it for this episode. If you want to learn more, check the links in the description. There are references in there. And visit us at academy.essentialdeveloper.com
0: Let us know your thoughts, your feedback, your comments. We'll see you again next time. Bye, y'all.
1: See ya.